first reading is from Revelation, the 21st chapter. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. <coughs> Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our psalm for today, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, the bow, and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The second reading is from the book of Romans, the third chapter. 
Now, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 8th chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that um, you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He was saying these things, many believed in Him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the Gospel of our Lord. There's the the things that came to my mind with this sermon today was there's something in a name. There's something in a name. If I say the name Porsche, 
or Porsche. I don't know what, what's the best way of saying it, the German. Is it Porsche or Porsche? Porsche. All right. We have someone from Germany that can say it better than any American. So Porsche, if I say that name, there's probably some images and some ideas that come to your mind, right? If I say the name Los Angeles, Los Angeles, there's probably some ideas and images that might come to your mind. If I say the name St. Paul, there might be other images and ideas that come to your mind. There's something in a name. In your baptism, you are named child of God. There's something deep and beautiful and something of love and life in that name. Child of God. Child, it, it communicates and it implies that, that you're a part of a family. Right? Child. You're not alone as a child. There's a family around you. And then of God. Oh, that communicates that there's this father of our family. And child of God with that father, oh, he's good. And he's powerful and he's smart and, and he loves Child of God, there's something in that name. Well, as people in this faith community, and today we get to increase this faith community by three. We have some friends joining us officially today, be a part of our faith community today. You are also, every one of us is carrying the name Lutheran. And that name Lutheran for us, it carries at least three attributes. The first one is, is that as a Lutheran, you are by default going to be exposed to the Word of God. You're going to hear it. You're going to be able to read it. It will be yours. You'll be exposed to the Word of God, Jesus. Number two, that that Word, that God's going to work to change your life. With the name Lutheran, it's going to change your life. And the third part about that name is that God's going to work through you to change the lives of others. That's what's implied when you carry a name Lutheran. You'll be exposed to the Word. It will change your life. And you will be changing the lives of others as God works through you. That's our history in our name. Now back to something in the name. On November 10th, 1483, a, a son, a firstborn son, was born to Margaret and Hans Luther. The next day on November 11th, 1483, Hans took that son to the church to be baptized. And when he was baptizing him on that day, it happened to be St. Martin's Day. And so he named his son Martin. When he returned home and he told his wife, the boy was named Martin. Margaret Luther said, "'Tis good. May Satan Martin care for him all his life long." Hans Luther gave his name, or his son's name, after St. Martin. I don't think he had any idea that, that what was going on in baptism and his dedication to the Lord and then being named after St. Martin and dedicated to that saint, what that would mean, this naming. See, St. Martin was born in Gaul, now France, just three years after Rome accommodated Christianity. So the Edict of Milan was in 313. Uh, Martin of Tours was born in 316 A.D. His father was given a veteran status. And because of veteran status, he was giving land in, in exchange for his years of service as a soldier within the Roman legions. And there was an expectation that his son would, would carry on this honorable family tradition within the legion. Family surprise. 
at age 10. And against the wishes of his parents, Martin of Tours enlisted to be taught the ways of Christ so that in time he could be baptized and become a member of Christ's church. For nearly five years, from age 10 to age 15, he was learning the ways of Christ, preparing for the day he could be baptized. However, at age 15, his father had had enough. Martin was forcibly enlisted into the services of Rome as a soldier. So off he went. He learned and mastered the art of war, the war of the Roman war machine. He ascended, actually, with his skill and his character and his family name. He ascended within the legion to the point of being admitted to one of the units that guarded the emperor personally. And when the emperor went to battle, he was a part of the guard that was around that emperor as the last stand or the first stand when the emperor called. Quite an honor. Now at the age of 45, he was finally able to complete his training and he was baptized. And shortly after he was baptized just before a very massive and major battle in Worms, Germany, Martin made a radical departure from his career path and his life. Martin of Tours declared to his superiors, he said, I'm a soldier of Christ. It's no longer lawful me, lawful for me to fight. That news was not received well. He he was a disgrace to his family name. He was a disgrace to the Roman legion that had the name of being able to honor and protect the the Caesar, the the leader himself. So, but now that he he claimed this, in order for him to be discharged, it required that he would take off his armor, his ranks, his belts, everything he had, and his weapons, and leave them at his commander's feet. And on the day of this great battle, he voluntarily stood in the front center of the massive thousands and thousands of soldiers of the Roman line. And there without sword and without shield, he would stand. If he would be discharged, he could only stand and be discharged if God would allow that to happen. And when you're facing the German tribes of warriors as powerful and capable as they were, it wasn't going to turn out well for him. Still, he stood Something surprisingly happened. One of the German princes comes over and meets one of the Roman commanders. And they ensue peace. They come up with an agreement. And on that day, there was no massive battle. Thousands dying, including Martin of Tours. God worked. He was discharged. He survived. He lived. He walked back through the Roman ranks, made his way down to a city in France, and there he enlisted as a a priest for the Lord, a monk for the Lord. A life of service Christ followed for him. That life included a number of miracles. One where uh, one of his, the ones is becoming a Christian and about ready to be baptized. But before he was baptized, that young man, he actually died. So Martin was off taking care of somebody and he heard that this young man died before he was baptized. And he was so afraid of this that he, he ran back. He got there within three days after he deceased. He told everybody to leave the room and he prayed in that room with the deceased man laying on the bed. 
And after a time, he said he felt the Holy Spirit come over him in such a way that he just laid on top of him and he prayed. And lo and behold, God blessed that body with the recovery of life. And he too would become a Christian and a powerful man for Jesus. Miracles like that happened to him. Miracles like that worked through God for him. Thousands of people came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and the delight in their life because of Martin Atours. And so the church named him Saint. 1,600 years later, Hans takes his son to be baptized and he gives them the name of who? Martin. After Saint Martin, he's dedicated. He's like, he's got his name, right? He had no idea how God would repeat history through his son. What was he thinking? When Hans Luther was finally in a financial position to send Martin Luther to college, he was about 18 years old. Now, he'd been baptized as a child, and he'd been exposed to the church here and there. But he sent him off to the university. Hans was so proud that his son was going to attend the university at Erfurt. He had dreams for his son and for his family. And after about three years, Martin was doing well. He already had his bachelor's degree. He already has a master's degree. And after those three years, he was ready to go on then to law school. Now, before he had started law school, he had an opportunity to go home for a short visit, and that he did. So he, he walked home, and then he, after his visit was over, he was walking back to university. On his way back to the university near a town named Stotterheim, a dark storm cloud formed. This was not any storm, we know. It was a very terrifying and threatening storm. And before he could find shelter... The storm was now upon him. Lightning struck, and it struck so close to him that fear of the life came to him. He fell off of his horse, or he fell down to the ground, and he prayed out, Saint Anne, if you would save me, I'll become a monk. Lo and behold, the storm would pass. He would live. And the amazing thing, the amazing thing is, is that Martin Luther kept his word. That says something about his integrity and his character, doesn't it? Because no one heard his vow. He was all alone. No one heard it but God. And that was enough. Within a couple of weeks from that day, Luther had sold everything. He didn't have much as a college person, but still, he sold everything. He left the university a path of reputation and wealth, and he joined a monastery. And in that, he agreed to be poor, to be single, and to be obedient to God. He was forever a servant of Christ and the property of Christ's church. That's a radical departure from his previous path. Something in the name Martin his family had invested into his education and is preparing to be a somebody. A somebody who would bring reputation and wealth to the family and security and status to the Luther name. But he departed from that path. He prepared to be a nobody. To be a monk in the service of Christ. Again, there's something in the name. Martin. And there's something about being exposed to the Word of God. 
See, about 35 years after being exposed to the Word of God, Martin of Tours, and now shortly after being baptized and the Word of God continuing to come to him within the legion ranks, the Christianity was growing. St. Martin of Tours stood with his eyes fixed on God, with his back to the wall of the legion army prepared for war, and with his body facing thousands of German tribesmen ready to go to war. And in that place... God acted and he lived. He lived. At the age of 22, Martin Luther, having been exposed to the Word of God as a child, and now at university, he was able to read a Bible. It was chained to to a podium so no one would walk off with it because they only had one. But it was on a podium and there he found it and he started reading the Word of God. He would stand for hours just letting this Word get in his mind and his ears and his heart and it changed him. It started working on him. And then after being exposed to a lightning bolt for God, that's a, that's a finishing touch because if the God's Word didn't get you, something about a thunderbolt from God would do it. Either way, with that motivation, now he is standing with his eyes fixed on his Lord. His back is now to his family, his friends, to academia, reputation, and wealth, and all that that meant. His body is going to face a Roman church that will destroy him for even bringing up a hint that they need to be reformed. And God will work a miracle, and he'll live. Martin Luther, knowing the power and life and truth of this Word of God, he would later translate the Bible into the German language. As early as 1517, he began to make translations of portions of the Old Testament into the German language. It wasn't complete until 1534. That's 17 years. God had been working on him to translate this so that the people could have it in their language. Every person in Germany could have a Bible in their own language. Eventually the world. By 1455, the Gutenberg Press was making the Word of God accessible in copies after copies after copies. So now it's around the world. You have the name Lutheran. That means that you will be exposed to the Word of God. And through the Word of God, it will change your life. That's the second part. The Word of God will inspire you, will inspire you. Once you start reading it, it just does this. It inspires your eyes to think God's thoughts and your ears to hear God's words and your heart to love like Jesus. It will just happen to you. The Word of God will inspire you to put your back to temptations. Put your back to the sinning and the lying and the life-dimming world. The Word of God will give you courage and strength to move forward, to stand at the head of the line and confront whatever the world will throw at you. The Word of God will give you life no matter the outcome. This last 40-day challenge to become more like Jesus. It started and ended with the Word of God. The, the, The characteristics, the habits that we talked about are what Jesus Himself did in the Word of God. That we would commit to community. That we pay attention to the people around us. And we would surround ourselves with God people because we want to be influenced in God ways. And that we would study His Word and that we would prioritize prayer in our life. That we would seek solitude with our Lord and that we would choose church. Those habits of Jesus, they're recorded in the Word. 
if they're done daily over a period of time, we know that they will change our lives. That's what we're all about. We come here to experience the Word of God and invite that Word of God to change our lives. To give us the one thing that we can't find in the world. To give us the one thing that we long for and hope for. Something that satisfies deeply. Something that empowers us to be, have life for the coming week and all that it faces. We come here to hear the Word and to be changed for our Lord. That brings us to the third part though. As Christ followers, as, as Martin Lutheran named Christ followers, we are about presenting the Word of God and we're about witnessing to the world this Word of God. And we'll let and watch the Word of God change their lives as well. Martin Luther assembled a small catechism. He had in there the instructions on the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, um, the sacraments of baptism and Holy Communion. And he printed that so that parents could have it. So that the parents could teach their children the disciplines of God, the life ways of God. Because if you can teach a child in the ways of God when they're young, when they're old, they will not deviate far from it. He gave it to the parents. They don't have to rely on the church. The church comes to them and says, here's the, the small catechism, just teach them this. And then he also, he, he, he translated, as we said earlier, the, the Bible into the German language. He also brought, this is from the song that we sang today. He took faith words and put them to modern songs so that the people could hum the songs of faith while they were at work, while they were in their houses, while they were traveling, that while they were traveling, they could sing songs of faith. He presented the liturgy in the German language because he didn't want the people to be distant from what was going on so they could know what was said in worship. The life-changing revelation that would come to him that we are saved by grace through faith, not our works. That revelation of Paul given by the Holy Spirit to Paul and to the church, that revelation... It was shared by Luther. It was shared. It was defended so that all people, even us today, could know that we have been set free from our sin. The consequences of our sin are not on us. It comes to us free. It costs Jesus His life, but it comes to us free. He gifts it to us because He loves us. And He would share that message with everybody who had a pulse and a capacity to hear. It didn't matter if a Roman institution that was terrifying its parishioners with the threats of hell in order to sell indulgences for the forgiveness of sin. It didn't matter if that institution liked it or not. Here's the truth. You don't have to pay money. Jesus already paid. Be forgiven. Something in a name. Christian child of God, Lutheran. We will be exposed to the Word of God, Jesus. And Jesus will work to change our lives. And through us, Jesus will change the lives of the world around us. God help us be that church. Amen.
Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living dead. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Prayers of God's people. Gracious Heavenly Father, we approach you in prayer this day and every day because your Son, Jesus, encouraged us to do so. Trusting in Jesus and believing you to be a good God of perfect love, we pray now. Father, we are grateful for Christ's church and for all who labor for her mission. We sing our thanks to you for blessing the reformers of old with faithfulness. We ask you to continue the faithful reformation of your church and people this day and for the days to come. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask you, we ask that you continue to guard your church against all temptations and evil inspired lies. Guard your church against people who seek to hinder it and tear it down. Inspire your pastors to live in faith and speak your word. Lead this congregation and every Christian congregation to know your will and accomplish your mission. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Holy Spirit of God, we ask that you continue to empower your church to love like Jesus loves and serves like Jesus serves. Embolden the church to stand firm in righteousness while remaining gentle, to simultaneously be a mighty fortress and warm, safe shelter. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Father God, we pray for those who know and love you are sick, for those who suffer, for those who troubled in mind or heart, for the grieving in your sorrow, in their sorrow, and for the dying in their last days on earth, for those we name in our hearts. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Into your hands, merciful Father, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in you and your love. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we boldly pray. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy.